Well, good morning again. Thank you for being online with us again this morning. We're so glad you're here. My name's Andy. I am the Connections Pastor at Connect Church, and it's an honor to have you on with us today. You know, I remember many years ago when Jess and I were first married, one of our very first trips together as a couple was to New York City. And for both of us, it was the first time we had ever been there. And when you go to New York City, you've got to take in all the sights, all the sounds, everything that it has to offer. And it was amazing. We got to see it all. We got to do it all. It was a fun, worthwhile trip. But I remember this one experience that stands out among all the good things I saw while I was there. And it was when we had just emerged from the subway. We had been going somewhere and we came up from the subway and came up to the surface. And there was a group of men there, and, and, and they were doing something that I had seen before, but I had never seen it done like this. This was a group of street preachers, and they were angry. This group of men were standing at the top of the stairs of the subway, and they were greeting everyone who would walk by and everyone who would come up from that subway station with an angry, combative, hateful message. And I remember when I first came out, I thought, oh, wow, these are some guys who are telling people about God. This is a great opportunity. Maybe somebody will walk by and hear about his love for them and turn their heart to him and have a relationship with Jesus. Wouldn't that be great? And so I I was very optimistic when I first encountered it. But after a few seconds, I realized that unlike the street preachers I'd seen before, these guys were completely different. Their tone was so hateful and so hurtful, I would even say. And they went on and on, and and, and, and while I was watching them, they even started picking at me a little bit. Like, I was sitting there at first thinking, hey, we're on the same side. And before long, I was like, I do not want to be on your side. You guys are dumb. (laughs) But they were going on, and they were talking about all these things. And the thing that was missing in their message, as I would say, was a message of hope. You see, what they were doing is they were communicating all the problems that they saw that were wrong with the world and wrong with everybody who walked by, but they offered no hope. Now, if you ask me, that's not a message worth communicating at all. And as I walked away from that encounter, I remember having a few thoughts. My first thought was this. I wonder if anyone will come to faith through a message like that. And of course, I was very skeptical. Secondly, I thought to myself, I'm a little bit embarrassed to call myself a Christian because if people walking by think that that's a picture of who Christians are, I want nothing to do with that. And then the third thought that I had is, as I walked by, I started thinking to myself, how could God use that? And why would he even put people like that in a place like that to share that message. Now, I don't believe those men were speaking for God at all, at least in the limited exposure I had to them. The message was nothing like what I understand God to be. It was no expression of his heart for the people who were walking by. In recent weeks, we've been looking at the ministry of an Old Testament prophet, a man named Jonah. 
And Dave has very brilliantly laid out for us the first two chapters and the things that that Jonah encountered in his ministry. And in the first week, we talked from chapter one about Jonah's original call. And God had called him to go to Nineveh, a group far from God, and, and preach to them so that they could repent of their wickedness and turn to him. And Jonah turns and runs in the opposite direction. And God uses that experience to grab a hold of Jonah and say, no, I want you to do what I've said that you need to do. And so God causes these divine circumstances so that the boat that he's running away on is almost capsized in this crazy storm. And these men figure out that Jonah is the problem and that something in the spiritual realm must be going on. And so they throw Jonah overboard thinking they've thrown him to his death. But God has mercy on him and God spares him from death by sending, of all things, a very big fish to come and to swallow him up and to to hold on to him for three days and keep him alive. So in chapter two, we see how Jonah is in the belly of this fish and we see that God uses this time to get a hold of Jonah and Jonah has a change of heart and he repents and he turns from his selfishness and he turns to God and he says, God, whatever you want. He has this, this prayer of thanksgiving that Dave talked about last week. And today what we're going to do is we're going to move forward into the third chapter. And if you're like me, I grew up hearing the story of Jonah. And I remember, I I think somewhere along the way, I misunderstood the whole point of the story. I thought the point of the story was, you better do what God tells you to do or he's going to get you. (laughs) One way or another, he's going to get you. I remember thinking that that was the point of the story, but I think that I was wrong about that. I do believe that there is some truth to the message of, you know, when God calls you to do something, step out in obedience and, and be faithful to whatever he asks you to do. I do believe there's something there, but I don't believe that the primary message of the story of Jonah is a story of God's going to get you. I believe that the primary message of the story of Jonah is a message of mercy. So what is mercy? Mercy is, as it was explained to me many years ago, mercy is when you don't get a bad consequence that you absolutely deserve. When you don't get a bad consequence that you deserve. So Recently, I was driving home from work, and I was going down what we might call around here, we might call it a hill. Most parts of the country, they might call it a slight decline on the road. But here it was a hill, and I was going down uh, the main road toward Wilmore, towards the square. And as I was going that way, I was gaining speed, and I didn't even realize it. And by the time I saw the cop whip around behind me, I was going 47 miles an hour in a 35. And he pulls me over and he tells me what I did wrong and he takes my license and my registration and everything he's supposed to do. And at that point, I I knew what I deserved. I knew he was within his rights to give me a ticket, a citation, a fine, but he had mercy on me and he gave me an opportunity to learn from my mistake and to move on without having to pay the price that I absolutely deserved. I'm sure you can relate to a time in your life when you received mercy from someone and you know that feeling of relief. You know that sense that, that you just, you don't know how you got off without having to pay that fine, but somebody had your back. In chapter three, we pick up and we're going to just kind of read some of the verses here. We're going to start here in chapter two and I want you to keep in mind this idea 
that God is expressing mercy here in this chapter. Let's read verse 2. God says to Jonah in verse 2, Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message that I give you. Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and he went to Nineveh. Now Nineveh was a very large city and it took three days to go through the entire thing. And so Jonah began by going a day's journey into the city proclaiming this message. Forty more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. So a little background here. Nineveh is this city that would have been a very major metropolis in the world of that day. But it was a city probably about the size of Peoria, actually. Uh, A little spoiler alert, as we look into chapter 4 next week, we'll see that there were approximately 120,000 souls in the city of Nineveh. And so it's this town that was very influential. It was very significant. And the, the thing that made it the most significant was that it was the capital of a nation called Assyria. Now, Assyria, if you know your Bible history was one of the primary foes of the nation of Israel for all their existence. It was a nation just to the north, and there were all kinds of disputes and all kinds of wars. And we're going to talk a little bit more about this here in a few moments, but one of the things that they were most known for in the nation of Assyria, in the city of Nineveh, was their cruelty. And so here God sends this prophet, this Jewish prophet, to go out from the Jews to this group of people who haven't really had much of a relationship or much knowledge of this God. And he sends him to go and to proclaim to them this message of repentance, of hope. And so here it is. God wanted to offer mercy when the nation of Assyria, the people of Nineveh, deserved judgment. So let's look at how this message was received by them, starting in verse 5. The Ninevites believed God, this message that Jonah was proclaiming. And a fast was proclaimed, and all of them, from the greatest to the least, put on sackcloth. Now, sackcloth would have been a very humbling, very humble-looking form of clothing that they would have put on to show mourning and grief. This was a very common practice of that day. When Jonah's warning reached to even the king of Nineveh, he rose from his throne, took off his royal robes, covered himself with sackcloth, like everyone else, and sat down in the dust. This is the proclamation he issued to the city of Nineveh. By the decree of the king and his nobles, do not let people or animals, herds or flocks, taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink. But let people and animals be covered with sackcloth. Again, a sign of mourning and grieving. Let everyone call urgently on God. Let them give up their evil ways and their violence. Who knows? God may relent yet with with compassion and and turn from his fierce anger so that we will not perish. So the Ninevites had a very strong response to the message that was brought to them that day by the, the prophet Jonah. They turned toward God. There's this word that we sometimes use. I've already used it so far here this morning. And we use it often in church world, and it's the word repent. Now, I don't know outside of church where we talk about repenting, but repentance literally means to change your mind about something and turn away from it. 
So the act of repentance and the act of wearing the sackcloth and sitting in the dust and proclaiming this fast was a repentant act. They turned from their wickedness. They turned from what God had identified as as sin in their lives, and they turned toward God and asked for his forgiveness. And so the result was this. God showed mercy. They turned toward God and God was merciful. So the story here clearly illustrates this point that I really want to hammer home for the next few moments. This idea, this theme of this entire chapter, and I would even argue the entire book of Jonah from the Old Testament, that God's mercy is greater. In math, as a kid, I remember getting to that point where we showed up one day and there were these, these shapes on the, the you know, chalkboard for me. Nowadays, it might be a screen or something. But it was a chalkboard when I was in school. And it was a shape that looked like maybe a sideways cone or a triangle without one of the sides. And I remember them trying to teach us that one of these means greater than, the other one means less than. And so we started using these equations in place of equal signs. And so you might have an equation that, you know, something as simple as 9 is greater than 7. Or 1,342 is greater than 76, right? So the point is that you were taking two values, and when you compare them, you realize that one is greater than the other. And this morning, as we look at the story of Jonah we see that God's mercy was greater than anything that could have kept them away from having a relationship with him. So let's take a look at how this played out in the story of the people of Nineveh. First of all, we see that God's mercy was greater than their history. God's mercy was greater than their history. Now, you have to understand this about the context. The people of of Nineveh were not Jewish people. What that means is they were spiritual outsiders. God had, for the most part, revealed himself to this group of people, the Israelites, the Jews, and then the whole plan was that he was going to build a relationship with them and eventually reveal to to the entire world his love through Jesus Christ. And salvation would come through this group of people. But for the most part, before Jesus came, there was this season where God mostly interacted with Jewish people. Not entirely. It wasn't exclusive entirely, but for the most part, God's interaction with people was with the Jewish nation. And so here these people were born not to the Jewish nation. They weren't born to the right family. They weren't born with the right background. They were born in all senses with the wrong name, the wrong background, the wrong history. But God's mercy was greater His mercy overcame their history. Secondly, we see that God's mercy was greater than their sin. We talked about this a few moments ago. The Assyrian people were vicious. They they were very sinful, and this is how. They were very vicious, and they were very cruel as uh, uh, when they came in contact with their enemies. So they had had this reputation for centuries and centuries that when they went to battle, they were horrible to go up against. They were cruel, they were vicious, they were ruthless. And when they took prisoners, it was the same way. 
And so we see that when Jonah in chapter one ran away from this call to go to them and to give them an opportunity to repent, we can surmise that perhaps he did that because he hated them. Perhaps he did that because he thought that they deserved what they had coming, the destruction that God said would come to them unless they repented. And Jonah wanted them to get what they deserved. And so God's mercy shows up in the form of this prophet, this reluctant prophet who goes and shares this message of hope and this message that they can turn and, um, and, and God shows up and offers them mercy. So his mercy was greater than even their terrible sin. Thirdly, we see how God's mercy was greater than the flawed message that Jonah brought. Here's the reality. Jonah's message in the English translation was essentially this. uh, 40 more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. In the original language, it was only four words long. Essentially, his message was this. You're all going to (laughs) die. That was it. There was no hope. It was like those men I encountered in New York City. It was just a despair message. It was just, it was not there was no mention of God. There was no mention of, here's, here's what you can do to get out of this. It was just, hey, you're all going to die. And somehow, God's mercy was greater than a terribly flawed message that, that Jonah brought to them. The fourth way that God's mercy was greater is that it was greater than this flawed messenger. Now, if you're, like, if you're like me, sometimes you look at people in the Bible and you think, wow, he or she, they must have been a saint. Uh, after all, God had an entire book written about this man. He's got his name on the title. So Jonah must have been this big deal. And, uh, and, and so you just kind of assume, wow, I, you know, I can't really relate to that because I know I'm no saint. But then you get into the story and you read about Jonah And you read about some of these other characters in the Bible and you realize, wait a minute, I can relate to these people way more than I thought I could because they're flawed. You see, I'm almost ashamed to admit this, but I think I relate more to Jonah than I do to Jesus a lot of days. Jonah was selfish. I can be selfish. Jonah was self-righteous. I can struggle with being self-righteous. Jonah was somebody who felt that his enemies should get the punishment that he thought they deserved. I guess I can be vindictive at times as well. You see, Jonah, as we've seen already in this series, he had ups, he had downs, he had downs, he had ups. He had the whole spectrum. In week one, he was selfish and he ran in the opposite direction against God's will. In week two, he has a change of heart and he obeys and he gets it right. In week three, he preaches a message, but I would, I would contend that he preaches this message with really cruddy motives. <laughs> I, I, would, I would say that he is preaching it, but he's reluctant. He doesn't really want to be there. He's hoping they won't listen. He's hoping they won't repent because he wants them to get what he thinks they have coming to them. I can totally relate to that. 
I can totally relate to the ups and downs and ups and downs. I've got good days. I've got bad days. I've, I've got days where I feel like, man, God is lucky to have me on his side. And I have days where I think, oh, God, please don't even look at me. I'm so, so ashamed of, of myself. So the, the message of the book of Jonah is not necessarily a, a story about a, a fish swallowing a man. I mean, that is a cool feature. We all have to admit that is a cool story that is in the middle of this whole thing. But I don't think that's the point of the whole story of Jonah. And it's also, it's not a story to communicate to us and to our next future generations. You better do what God tells you to do or he's going to get you, which is the way I started thinking of it at some point in my life. You see, I really believe that the message of Jonah is this message that God desires to show mercy over judgment. So next week in chapter four, Dave will be back with us and we're gonna look at this confrontation between God and Jonah where Jonah lets loose that he tells God what he thinks of this act of mercy that God shows. And, and you want to definitely tune in for that. You want to be back with us because it's another down for Jonah if I'm getting a little bit ahead of ourselves. But I want to end here this morning by reading a verse I haven't read yet. And it's, it's how the third chapter wraps up before it transitions into chapter four. So we heard that the people of Nineveh are preached this flawed message and they have this incredible response of humility where they, where they grieve and they mourn and they fast and they tell the whole nation and all the animals with it, we're going to do this together because we've got to turn from our wickedness and turn to God. And this is how the, the chapter ends in verse 10. When God saw that they, what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he relented and he did not bring on them the destruction that he had threatened. Another translation actually says, God had mercy on them. God had mercy on them. So for a lot of my life, I, I thought that the story of Jonah was a story of God's desire to judge people. And, to, uh, and it was a story where God was looking for the wrong in human interactions so that he could bring judgment against it. For a lot of my life, that's what I thought. I'm just being honest with you this morning. But I was wrong. I was so, so wrong about the nature of God. You see, God longs to be merciful to every single person, not on the basis of their family history or their background, not on the basis of how much they deserve it because of how righteous or, or good they've been, he wants to show mercy to them because he loves them and because he longs for a relationship with them. And let me just turn this to you this morning. He wants to have a relationship with you. And God's mercy is far greater than any baggage you have in your past. God's mercy is greater than the history that you have where maybe you weren't born into the, the right family or maybe you weren't born on the right part of town. Or maybe you don't feel like you're deserving in any way of God's favor. I'm telling you, none of that stuff is relevant. Because God's mercy is far greater than all of those things. I want to pray for you here this morning. 
Father, we thank you that in this story of Jonah, we see the love of God on display. We see that your capacity and your desire to show mercy is so great. And Lord, we ask that this morning, that, that if there's anyone who's watching this and they've not responded to your call to, um, to turn to you, Lord, that they would have that moment where they would very clearly see what you want them to do. And God, you would show mercy to them. Your mercy is far greater than anything, anything in their past, anything in their present. There is no hindrance between them and you this morning if they will just turn themselves over to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, I want to thank you for being on with us this morning. Uh, we have had a great time putting these services together for you. We are going to be back here again for part four of the Jonah series next Sunday at 9 and 1030. And also, if you have any requests, any prayer needs, anything at all that you're needing from your church family, would you reach out to us? Just uh, get a hold of us. Send us an email at office at connectwashington.org, and we will follow up with you, and just we'd love to hear from you and and, uh, find out how you're doing. Hey, we love you, and we'll see you all next week. Do you